This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Come down from the tree You can stay with me <laughs> When it came to music Andres and I became so in sync Not a moment out of place Until the letter came Marta Nothing would mean more to me Than for us to sing together again you guys were like a duo. She was also the love of my life, but I never told her how I felt. All my love, I put it into a song. You spent your life making music. Vivo, I must deliver this song to Marta. She needs to know that I love her. Marta, here I come. to hear this song, and I'm gonna get you there. Get in my bag. Ugh. For the size of the world. Martha, here we come! What are you doing? Sometimes you gotta improvise. Oh, no. Unbreakable bonds, that's what we got. That love, Gabriela, that love lives forever in your heart. On August 6th, Netflix introduces Vivo, a new animated musical featuring original songs from Lin-Manuel Miranda. Produced by Sony Pictures Animation, the movie follows Vivo, a kinkajou voiced by Miranda, who plays music in a lively Havana square with his beloved owner, Andreas, voiced by Juan DeMarcos Gonzalez. But soon Vivo realizes he must find a way to Miami to deliver a love song from Andreas to singer Marta, voiced by Gloria Estefan. In this episode of Behind the Screen, we're joined by director Kirk D'Amico, who also co-wrote the screenplay with Chiara Alagria-Hudis. Kirk is an Oscar nominee for DreamWorks Animation's The Crudes, which he also co-wrote and co-directed with Chris Sanders. In this conversation, he talked about the making of Vivo, including working with legendary cinematographer Roger Deakins as visual consultant. He also previewed a couple of the new songs from the musical. I'm Carolyn Jardina. Welcome to The Hollywood Reporter's Behind the Screen. So, Kurt, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, great to talk with you again. <laughs> yeah, good to see you again. Thank you. So, Kirk, to begin, would you tell us about the genesis of the story? Yeah, great. So, the genesis really started with Lin-Manuel Miranda. Um, 
our songwriter, singer, and our star, who's in a very unique position for an animated feature playing many, wearing many hats as he does. Um, and it started back in 2009 and uh, Lynn had worked on this story um, with in another studio and he had written songs for it. And very much the, the relationship, as you said, between Andres, who's played by uh, Juan DeMarcos and the Vivo character um, was always, always there. Um, one of a kind was a song that Lynn had written um, previously and probably the one that still to this day in this, in our film, exists in its in its it's it's in the state where um when i started in 2016 when i came aboard but that song the genesis of it for lynn i believe and was the idea that in one of a kind this sort of relationship between this man and this animal he's a street busker uh working for money a musician and the idea that these two are partners they're a duo they're a musical act they're best friends they're father son and they do, you know, 20 shows a day, seven days a week, every year. And the idea was basically that if you had a partner like that, and I remember him saying, you know, it's like people you see would be on a subway who know that act, who do that music, and they know what it is, or any of street performers who do the same thing over and over. What if you, what if one day you lost that other person? Uh, you'd be adrift and alone. And that's where this movie, I really found it. And there were some songs written that song in particular. And there was a great song for the end of the film, which is not in the finished film. Um, but we, what I really felt strongly to was that connection between these two characters and how they had this relationship that meant so much. And that, as you mentioned, after this man passes, Andres passes, Vivo is alone and adrift, and he finds this love song. He finds this love letter and he takes it upon himself to go deliver it to Miami to find a famous singer, which is an absolutely crazy idea. But in a moment of grief, you know, you, you hold on to whatever you can. Um, you find things that you can you, that make your life purpose because so much of your life has been torn apart. And so at this moment, when we find Vivo and he sets off, this is his purpose. And he does it in the most noble of ways. It's just um, an offering in honor of him it's um, something that he's doing just with no he has no idea why he's doing it which is what i always loved about the idea that lynn had it's just that he really wants to do this on behalf of his friend uh so he's a, he's a character with a great heart and has a lot of a lot of, of respect even if there's a part of like the respect for an elder or a teacher or a mentor or a parent um and that that i think plays um really well throughout the the entire musical but most importantly in that relationship between andres and vivo so you worked with lynn from the very genesis of the project well, I started in 2016 when it came to Sony, and so the movie was in a start of a. It had some. It had these songs, and it had a story. And I started working with Kiara Hudes, the screenwriter that Lynn also worked with on, on In the Heights. Heights, right? Yeah, exactly. And so she and I started working together and started talking about what we could do with this story. Um, and Lynn had known that we were going to be changing songs and moving along, and he was down, you know, with making making new writing new songs along the way and Kiara and I both felt um, most importantly I think in what we wanted to bring to the, to the party was 
A was a, a, a aspirational female character, like where's our girl? And that was in the role of Gabby, the young girl that goes on the mission with Vivo. And the other one was in the other female role, which you alluded to, um, the diva Marta, played by Gloria Stefan. Um, I was pretty. I had a. I, I had a. I just wanted that the 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 mission, which in you know our terms, the MacGuffin, that the letter had real love behind it um, and had some sort of romance to it because the cool thing about this you know doing a musical and doing something with lynn i felt was like this is a chance to really make a film that had you know the cinematic sweep of the kind of movies i love and in a romance and still making it a package that's family friendly and for the kids and have the comedy but have that you know that delicious core of this story that's a romance that um we could use because in, that's the beautiful thing and with lynn writing songs he has such range and musical styles and identities that we could transition from a beautiful ballad to an incredibly comedic rap um and go back and forth within the you know in the landscape of the film so those were two big things that we took on um as our our little missions um kiara and i and then with my co-director brandon jeffords and the producers and sony animation so that's where the start and then the second act and third act built almost completely new it's all new pavement from that very beginning song until the very end basically so kurt let's listen to some of that music um do you want to introduce keep the beat yeah keep the beat is a song this is a really it was a fascinating thing to in the idea of building a musical and having this special relationship with like Lynn as songwriter and actor. Um, this was a scene that he had acted in many times over the course of the four years we were making it. The the raft scene had existed and worked very well. And so, and, and the raft scene is during the trip to Miami. They uh, they go through the Everglades. Right, exactly. And um, what's underneath the Keep the Beat song. So the, the the scene had existed and it worked very well. It was one that had landed, as you know, in animation. We, we threw out many other ones, but this one had landed. It was on firm ground. And it wasn't until last May, actually, where we had the movie up and Lynn was like, it's really, I think it's working great. And he was just looking and he said, and it was like architecturally speaking from the musical, there's two characters sort of intro songs in the second act. It would be nice to have a song in the middle of that, at that middle area to sort of bridge. So we keep the musical, uh, the musical spirit alive because that was one thing from the very beginning that I was so excited about was that we were going to make a musical about musicians, but we were going to make a musical meaning it wasn't, it was going to, we were going to have songs that were going to tell the story throughout the entire thing. Um, and, so it was really exciting because he was like, I really think we should look for one. And we started looking around at that area of the film and there was the sand dollars were the Girl Scouts and they, they could have a funny song and the, this area. And we ended up doing that part because the the wonderful thing about that little scene was that it was just the first sparks of a friendship between Gabby and Vivo. So you have a buddy comedy, it's midpoint, the first sparks are coming alive. And in their relationship, since he does not, she does not understand him when he speaks. You know, there's a certain amount of, of, of for the audience even, like, what is he thinking? What is he feeling? And using a song is like a novel. You can get inside his head. He can hear, she can hear, he can hear what, um, we can hear what he's thinking. And the opportunity, and I remember Lynn being very like, but, you know, he, he knew that that one part of the scene that he had already recorded, which was what he loved and was funny and the interchange between them, and he's, I remember he just said, like, send me, Kirk, just send me the, uh, 
the 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 raw the raw script like whatever just for the dialogue for that thing and he just took it and he took the like cherry pick but in the most perfect way and cut away all the fat and then musicalized around it so it really held up the second act in this new in this it, it really and it was reflective of the moment we were living in it was last may we were all in the lockdown and spread apart and Everybody, everybody on our crew, 300 plus people, when they heard that song, they, it all spoke to them because leaning into the curve is the lyrics and, and what we could do. We all had these great plans. You know, we started the movie, we were like, oh, we're going to do this and it's going to be on time and we're going to have that done and then they're going to have this release and everything, all plans fell apart and the only thing you could do is play on, play on. And so that's what we were doing. And so it really felt like a anthem um, for all the artists, you know, which is so important who were scattered to their houses to work on this film. So that one is so special because it taught me so much about like musicalizing, um, you know, and also like what you really need for a scene. It's like, wow, we didn't really need all that other stuff. Wow. He really just cut it all out. <laughs> it works really well. <laughs> so, but the, the fun part was feeling, I think it was a big lift when it landed because these would come in on my inbox and then I'd share them and that we would then share them with the crew and you could feel the lift. And it was like, it came at a point where we were all in the middle of the second act. We were all in the sag of like, Oh boy, what are we going to do? We're unlocked. So how are we going to finish? And so it really picked everybody up. Um, and I think the animation shows it, the choreography and the camera work. So it was a special moment, that song. Remember the size of the world before it was you and I, just you and I. And now the horizon holds so much more. And it's do or die, yeah, it's do or die. All I can do when the road bends is lean into the curve. in reserve and all I can do when the plans break down is stay on my feet and all I can do at the end of the day is play on play on and keep the beat would you also tell us about my own drum yeah my own drum was a really interesting and it that was one that um, for many reasons, you know, you have a character, you bring a character in like Gabby. She is, you know, she's so full of life. She's energetic. And Kiara and I always thought that what we need is this Vivo and Lynn himself. They would inhabit this sort of professional, um, formally trained, suave, dignified sort of character. And into his life comes this girl and she's wild and she's a hurricane and, and a tween tornado, we used to say. So this girl would come into it and really blow his life apart. He's grown up with Andres, so he has a very, you know, um, sheltered life and exposure. He only goes two blocks from the plaza to his apartment, and now he's in this bedroom of this girl in America. And the idea was Carlos, our production designer Carlos Zaragoza, had the idea of like really decor, really setting, dressing her room with all of these things. So it was like reverse engineered. Like what can we put in a room that when her room comes alive would scare the hell out of Vivo? So it was like in, in, in a way that not for fear, but also just a guy who's never seen anything like this, stuffed animal, backpacks, all this crazy stuff that she has to, to him 
would be would be would be uh, you know blown out. And that song, the My Own Drum, we were just talking about the character, and this was actually one of the fun parts of having, like I said, a singer songwriter who also is acting. It was in an acting session where we were doing other scenes, and it was like sitting down in a break, and Lynn was like, "So what are we going to do about this uh, Gabby song? Like, what are we going to do?" And so we started talking about it, and, and Kiara was there, and we were talking about like, you know, you know, she bursts the beat her own drum, da da da, and then he started just, you know, sorry, own drum, own drum, own, yeah, I think I got something, and then went off. And wrote this song and when it came back it was it was like a lightning bolt it was like there she is we saw her we like she came alive right so it was the power of the music that more than pages ever could do like dialogue pages script pages you give them to an artist they look at them they mostly go what is this is this what we're gonna do but that really that when they have a song they could put their earphones on and and our story artist carlos romero who boarded that sequence that is as is in that film almost entirely start to finish. I mean, he really just landed it. He felt it. He had always been super connected to the film as an artist and as a storyteller. And he was able to board that sequence and it blew us all away. It was just like there, you know, wow, it's there. And then the visual effects guys were just like, Oh, give it to us, give it to us, please let us have it. They were chomping at the bit and stuff. And the camera, our layout crew was like, we want it. We want that one. Everybody wanted to work on that song. We're like, well, we just maybe, maybe it takes a second. Let's make sure we got it right. And, but it, sure enough, he, he really did it. And, um, once they got in there and started ad- adding the motion graphics and doing all the stuff, it just blew us all away. Let's listen to a clip. Team will be instrumental. <gasps> instrumental. Ha, see what I did there? I made a pawn. Ha, I'm having fun. Ha, I'm never done. Ha, I'm just a one. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So, Kirk, I also wanted to talk about the visual style of the movie. And um, to start, we should mention that legendary cinematographer Roger Deakins was your visual consultant. How did he get involved and uh, what what uh, sort of things did you talk about with Roger? Well, I had worked with Roger before. And so when this was ha- when we first when I first started on it, as I said, it's like I was hoping like, oh, there's all these different songs. We're going to do all these different styles. And people are like, well, what is he talking about? It's crazy. So the thing was that it, it we because we were dealing with you know cuba real life places key west and we weren't going to always treat this theatrical like carlos aragosa our production i always thought we should make it a theatrical i wanted to do like a big sound stage musical where everything was designed that was the idea um and that we knew we were in a musical it's not this isn't reality this is a musical um 
but at the same time wanted to have these really take advantage of all the different songs and have these whimsical flights of fancy within the uh the song presentations and the real thing was how do we meld that together so it feels organic to the quote-unquote real world which isn't the real world but the real world within our film is was already so we had to caricature we had to light that in a way that when those transitions happened into those more fantastical numbers they didn't feel like jolts and they didn't stop the movie and it feel like okay here's a big musical number because the i think that was one of the you know with having this many songs they had to feel part of the narrative and not just storytelling wise they had to feel part of the cinematic language like it had to feel like they were part of the movie and so that was a challenge that roger really when we first started talking and he came on very very early um and we first started talking about it he liked I know he was very excited about that opportunity and he was very excited about the idea that we were, you know, a lot of animation is becoming pretty photoreal in some ways. And so that we were taking a more um, sort of, we were taking more of a storyteller's approach and a theatrical approach to the lighting. And we were okay with having that and, and, and the look of the world and the character design. And that was another part that I think, our character designer, Joe Mosier, did such a fantastic job with was we knew we wanted to do things like the, the, the fantasy sequence in Mambo Cabana or the fantasy sequence in My Own Drum. And so to create characters that could live in both worlds, to design characters that did not feel um, out of place when they were portrayed more graphically or when they were portrayed more, um, more literally in our, like I say, real world uh, CG, um, was a real challenge. And I think he, he put the, the, de the designs um, really brought a, uh, a sense of unity so that when they go in and out of these fantasies, you still feel like you're with them. I'm like, Oh, that's Vivo. Um, Cause the whole part would be, is not that it's like, Oh, that's a different version. Um, that's not, it's, it, it is, that's our guy. And so we feel emotionally connected to Vivo as he travels through these fantasy sequences. Now there were also research trips to Cuba and Miami. How did that inspire the production design? So when we first started working at Havana, we were working with creative uh, cultural consultants, um, professors, and they were working with us throughout most of the design phase with Carlos, with character design, and then even through the script stage of what people are saying, the location. And what we very early figured out was that for our story, the best opportunity was Vivo is a character that is sheltered. And he says that we're plaza guys. He doesn't go very far. He only ventures a couple blocks. And so those blocks became the real focal point of all of our mission, really, in trying to portray. It's a tourist section in Havana that the outside the Malacan to the Plaza Vieja, that that area there was where Vivo was going to live. That's the area that Vivo knew. And that's where he performed, because that is where those sort of performers had performed historically. Um, when we were making the film and when we went for the reference trip. And when we went for the reference trip, we did go farther afield and we had consultants that took us other places. But that area in particular was one that Carlos was looking at, both for design sense and for lighting. Uh, there's a certain warmth to the lighting that I think that we, you know, that he aimed to capture. And so that, that trip really, it, it was very interesting because the, the the Malacan is sort of like um, 
it's a public space. It's a park, you know, you know, it has everyone. It's where people go afterwards, where people are, 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 are gathering. And so we tried to um, bring that to life in a way that, that felt, um, but the, the, with the, with the, um, even, even in the um, sort of the, the way we had the cars portrayed, because there's the traditional cars, like the classic American cars that you would see, but that's not all that is there. So we had more of the, 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 the more boxy sort of modern cars. And even in the opportunity for people to be um, walking through and walking around and, and sort of the difference in the clothes. And, and, and so it was really cool in the outdoor barbershop, which we saw. So there was so many things that I think Carlos could speak to. And he took so many great photos that even though I was there, it was like when watching his photos later is like, you really got a sense of what we were trying to portray. And then working with the consultants constantly, um, going back and forth within pretty fine detail of, of many, uh, many, many things. Uh, and then dialogue wise, trying to get the, 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 you know, the, the, you know, the extras, even though the Walla group and trying to get that, um, to be as authentic as, as possible to that area in, in Cuba. Um, so it was, it was really, um, it was re- it was a tremendous opportunity for us because, the music was something that we were always trying to say. And we were so lucky from the very beginning because I wanted, like, I had the idea, like, we're going to cast musicians. And so, like, in, our casting director was like, I have a musician. He's Afro-Cuban and he was in Buena Vista Social Club. I'm like, are you, what? This is, this is amazing. And so Juan DeMarcos, who plays Andres, you know, we recorded with him many times and he was born not far from where this takes place. And he grew up there and he's, you know, played music and he was the man, he was the, the actual, the literal man who went around and found every single one of those artists who was in Buena Vista Social Club. He knew where they lived and he got them together. It's an amazing story and he's an amazing man. And so we used to have things, even in a recording session, he'd be like, oh, you yeah, know, this is the way I would say it. This is the way. So it was a very interesting, because he was, it's not just saying, hey, I'm saying this as a Cuban. He's like, he's a Cuban musician and he is who he is. He's such a great personality. So that was a really, that was an opportunity that you can't, you can't even learn about that, right? That is just something we were just, we were just given um, um, by, by getting to know him. And um, so, yeah, that was really the exciting part of that. And then Miami was different because Miami Which was- Which had such a bold look. <laughs> yeah. Well, we knew that there was going to be four, like these four visual resets. We're going from Havana, you know, the warms, and then into Key West with a blown out light lighting and, uh, and and the kitschy decor, which is the fun of what Key West is. And then in through the Everglades, which, you know, is absolutely beautiful. But for Vivo, we wanted it obviously to play up a little bit of the fears. He's not, he might still be an animal, but he's raised in a, you know, human environment in a city, big city. So, and then into Miami. So the idea was how do we make this the, you know, going into Oz. And so combining sort of the, the art deco and then plastering the skyscrapers right next to it is a artistic, uh, uh, you know, we took a little license there. Um, but, but the idea that, you know, this, this place, um, would have this sort of effect over him and that the whole city would be, you know, what our goal was that the whole city would feel musical. So that ride into, to Miami was, you know, and Carlos and his team and Andy Harkness, our art director, Wendell, our art director, all had these great ideas for the LED kind of lights, uh, the screens that would go by and making everything rhythmic um, throughout the design. And then the camera work done by Roger and young Doc John, our director of photography. 
And then we should talk about um, Bevo's look. Would you describe the character design? How how close is his final look to where you started? Oh well, you know he he the 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 thing about uh, Vivo uh, was Joe Mosier, uh, who's a great character designer, was you know very inspired by like the Fred Astaire's of the world. So there was a certain amount of like looking at videos of Kinkajus climbing on people's shoulders and then making it, making these beautiful lines to make it look like Fred Astaire because we're like he's got to dance and he's got to look elegant and suave and well you know well well studied. It was part of his character too, because you know the hat is a little bit of a nod to the old, but it's a style. It's a, he has a little swagger, you know, and he's got so because what we wanted to do is take all of that and you know throw him through the, the through the washing machine and the, the as he's going on this journey. So the idea of who he was was had a certain sense of panache, which I, I'm not, I don't would look at a real Kinkajou and think panache, but uh, I think uh, Joe, Joe, Joe has ma- managed to, um, to embody that in this character. And then the animation done by Kevin Webb and all the animators up in Vancouver, which constantly amazed. And we had this, this incredible choreographer named Calvin Hodge, who was really did a lot of the, I would say one of a kind in particular, he did so much of this amazing choreography that was a visual reference for all of the movement, the movement for the human characters, but even the positions of where Viva would be and how he would act. Um, it was really a, a giant help. And, uh, and all the background characters, you know, again, it's trying to dance, um, giving those animators reference that had authenticity and, and had the style that uh, we wanted out of that area. And then how did Gloria Stefan get involved? Ah, it was a dream. It was a dream to have Gloria Stefan. And I actually ran into her completely uh, on a side thing. I was in New York City going to the premiere of Moulin Rouge the musical because uh, uh, my former uh, boss and friend uh, produced it. And she was in the lobby. And I was like, there she is. My, this, she has, this Marta, she, she, and so I just like, was a little, I was just like a autograph hound. I think I was just like, hello. I just stuck my hand out. Well, hello, my name is Kirk and I'm making the movie. Um, but, and, uh, I my mom Miranda and we were, and so she was so delightful. And so she was like, so warm and nice. And so like, I'm interested. And so we, um, uh, reached out after that and had to go, you know, through things. And she read the script and she looked at the design and she heard the song. She did all the things that were, and then we're so grateful that she said yes, because I can't begin to like, imagine like it, that's one of these things where it's like the, the lesson of the movie of, you know, making plans, but then rolling with the punches and leaning into the curve, which was, are we, the plan was, the plan was to have some, you know, have Gloria in that marginal role. Kiara and I always talked about that. Obviously, um, you can see from the way it was written and stuff the the idea of who it could be. Um, but the fact that you know it starts with Juan De Marcos and the songs end with with Gloria singing "Inside Your Heart" um, at the very end in this you know love song. I think it was such a special opportunity, and it was the the first. When we recorded that song, Alex Lacamoire, our composer, we went out in Miami to her home studio, uh, her studio that she has, and we re- she recorded the song, and then we did the first round of the vocal um, recordings, and that was the last trip we took before the lockdowns. It was like we got in, and it was late January, early February, and then it wasn't more – it felt like two minutes after that, honestly, that 
we were all at home. So it was it was an opportune moment that we got to have. We was you know that we had to got to spend time with her and watch her work because working with watching her work with Alex over the course of many hours and the full day of building that song was is pretty magical and a very special thing and it was special for Alex as well. So we were all pretty delighted that we got to enjoy that moment. Well, Vivo drops uh, tomorrow on Netflix. Anything else you'd like to share before we wrap? Yeah, no, I, I'm very, I'm super excited because then the, uh, when we when we were talking about this movie for so many years, the idea that um, you know it's on Netflix where people can watch safely at home, and I hope that like with my, I see with my eight year olds that you know a song could be rewound or a moment could be replayed because the music, uh, there's so much great music that Lynn and Alex have have created throughout this that I hope it can be. Uh, it will it will encourage that you know listening to this type of music opening their eyes to 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 a new eyes eyes and ears to a new sound so uh, can't wait for people to see it this was your first musical wasn't it it was yes what did you find most challenging the most challenging thing i think i think it was challenging the most challenging thing was also the most rewarding thing which is and i say like i'm just i had a very lucky opportunity because working with Alex and Lynn who are, have a shorthand and towards their music that, you know, having a composer that was also the arranger so that he wasn't like songs were being dropped into our score and our score was being made around the songs that Alex and Lynn had pl- had a map for how the entire soundscape would work from beginning to end af- after the songs were put in place so that musically arranging wise instrumental choices were made um, both in the score and the songs so that it feels of one piece i think that was a pretty unique situation i i don't know um you know about other opportunities like that but um i think that that was the most challenging thing because we you know we we worked with the movie for so many years with temp score <laughs> put into places that you, you know you, it's hard to put a temp song where a song goes that's you know we've always done it with like some score bits but you know that's a whole nother story you're like insert amazing lin-manuel miranda song here and you're just like hoping everyone's like all right i'm supposed to just imagine that you're like yeah just go with it make believe you know so you're doing these screenings and you're like it's a heartbreaking love ballad sung by Gloria Stepp. Just imagine that. Like, it's hard for people to take on board, but thankfully, Sony Animation and everybody believed in it enough because for it was the years that we had nothing in those spots were sort of like droughts. You know, there are these moments where it's like heartbreak here. Okay, so sure. You know, and it, you know, so it really, that was one thing that I think was the challenge in animation is, is just living with the product and living with the, 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 you know, the adolescent stages of a feature animated feature without that song in there is a, is, is a leap of faith. And thankfully they took it with us. Well, Kirk, it was great to talk with you again. Thank you so much for joining us. Great. Good seeing you. Thank you. 